0: Dr. Hans Selye, one of the first doctors to research stress reactions, found that if an animal becomes severely overstressed, its adrenal glands bleed and develop signs of adrenal destruction before the animal finally dies from the stress. How do physicians diagnose subclinical adrenal insufficiency? You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host and with me today is Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. Dr. Teitelbaum has dedicated his career to researching, developing, and teaching about effective treatment for all types of pain. He is a board-certified internist, lectures internationally, is the medical director of the Fibromyalgia and Fatigue Centers based in Dallas, Texas, and the author of From Fatigued too fantastic. Dr. Teitelbaum, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable.
1: Susan, it's great to be with you.
0: In addition to adrenal failure, is there a milder condition of adrenal exhaustion?
1: Absolutely. It's important to look historically. If you go back to the early 1900s, the main cause of adrenal failure was tuberculosis, which destroyed the adrenal glands. As tuberculosis decreased in prevalence, there was a sharp increase in autoimmune destruction of the adrenal glands, and that became the major cause. What we're seeing now is a marked increase in hypothalamic dysfunction with secondary hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction, and this is now estimated to affect upwards of 6 to 12 million Americans in the form of chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. The difference is that where the autoimmune processes and tuberculosis actually destroyed the adrenal glands, leaving the blood tests overtly abnormal, the current changes do not cause adrenal destruction but rather adrenal suppression or exhaustion. Therefore, the blood tests are low normal but still in the normal range despite causing severe problems for the patients.
0: What is subclinical adrenal insufficiency?
1: If one looks at the adrenal blood tests, unlike most blood tests where the normal range are defined by the person being outside of two standard deviations or in the lowest 2.5% of the population, to have your adrenal test be considered low, you have to be in the lowest one out of 100,000 patients. That means the morning cortisol level has to be under six. So where most people run cortisols of approximately 20 microgram per deciliter in the morning, and 6.1 by some physicians would be considered totally normal, where 5.9 would be considered life-threatening adrenal insufficiency. To point out the absurdity of using this kind of arbitrary cutoff, let's take a look at how standardized the lab testing is, if you send two morning cortisols on the same blood draw on the same patient, we have seen that they vary anywhere from 4 to 8 micrograms per deciliter, and that's even when the blood test was done on the same tube of blood. So if you're seeing that the lab equipment varies from 4 to 8 micrograms per deciliter and 6.1 is normal or 5.9 is life-threatening, it tells you that we have a major problem So even if the adrenal tests are normal, but they're low normal and the patient has symptoms suggestive of adrenal insufficiency, it is critical for the patient's well-being that we consider the possibility of either adrenal exhaustion or subclinical adrenal insufficiency and give a therapeutic trial of treatment to see how the patient responds to treatment.
0: How do you distinguish between subclinical adrenal insufficiency and adrenal failure?
1: If the morning cortisol is under six, and you do a cortisone stimulation test, and it does not increase by seven micrograms per deciliter at half hour, and 11 or 11 micrograms at one hour, they have adrenal insufficiency and should be sent to an endocrinologist for evaluation. If, on the other hand, the patient suffers from symptoms of inability to maintain adequate blood sugar levels in the face of stress, which basically manifests as acute onset of irritability when hungry, and the simplest way to do that is when patients come in, they usually have their spouse, and I ask them, are there periods where it's as if a light switch goes off, and you realize you have three minutes to feed her, or she will kill you, and they both nod vigorously up and down? That's enough (laughs) to let you know that these patients need adrenal support. In addition, if they tend to have low blood pressure, a lot of people who have orthostatic hypotension, if they have severe fatigue, that does not go away with rest. If they get recurrent respiratory infections or throat, swollen glands, we find clinically these patients usually have adrenal exhaustion. Uh, Any of those symptoms or morning cortisol under 14 will lead me to giving a therapeutic trial of ultra-low-dose hydrocortisone, which has been shown to be extraordinarily safe without adrenal suppression as long as the doses are kept less than 20 milligrams of Cortef, which is similar to 3 milligrams of prednisone, but you should not use prednisone So 20 milligrams or less of Cortef each morning will give a fair therapeutic trial and be very safe.
0: What are the causes? The
1: main cause these days would be excessive stress because if you think about it, the adrenal is a stress handler. If you remember in our old high school biology classes of the fight-or-flight reaction, if a caveman saw a saber-toothed tiger, his adrenal glands would fire and he would fight or he would run, fight-or-flight. But then he would have a couple weeks or months for those adrenal glands to rest up and for the body to recover uh, after that acute process. These days what you're finding is that our fight and flight reactions are being triggered many times every day. Anytime people turn on the news, which tends to focus on things that are, almost seem to be meant to scare people uh, in the perspective they do. With the stress of modern life, many women have a full-time job, plus the full-time job of child raising. They're running late to work, they hit a red light, that goes off. they go off, get cut off in traffic, your adrenal glands fire. So basically, we are over-firing stress reaction and exhausting the adrenal glands. In addition, the research is showing that with chronic stress, including many infections, uh, they're now increasing in prevalence. There is direct suppression of the hypopalamic pituitary axis or HPA axis directly because of hypopalamic dysfunction. These are commonly seen in illnesses such as chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. And my research, that of Professor William Jeffries, Professor Clear, and the research and the work done at the fibromyalgia and fatigue centers nationally, as well as by many, many other physicians, are finding that a low dose of hydrocortisone, or Cortef, has been very safe and very effective in these populations.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum, author of From Fatigued to Fantastic. Dr. Teitelbaum, how do you know so much about this condition?
1: Well, I had this illness back in 1975. I had chronic fatigue syndrome. And it basically knocked me out of medical school for a year and left me homeless for big parts of that year. It gave me the incentive to research the scientific literature, to learn what I needed to learn to know how to effectively treat these illnesses. It's interesting as a historical footnote that President John F. Kennedy suffered from adrenal insufficiency, and his physician was Dr. Janet Travell, who is professor at George Washington University in internal medicine. And she was also the godmother of pain management. She wrote the book, The Trigger Point Manual, which is about 700 pages long and extensively referenced, showing the role of multiple problems, including adrenal insufficiency, in triggering muscle shortening and muscle pain. So having had fibromyalgia myself and chronic fatigue syndrome, I learned firsthand about the things needed to treat it.
0: Is this condition hereditary?
1: Adrenal insufficiency does not show the same degree of hereditary transmission as we see with low thyroid, for example. For example, in Hashimoto's thyroiditis, 50% of the children of a woman with Hashimoto's will turn up having uh, low thyroid and Hashimoto's in their lifetime. But the transmission of adrenal problems in this way is much lower. This is much more a stress or a problem of modern living, where the excessive stresses are exhausting our stress handler or the adrenal gland, uh, leaving it not low enough to cause you to die, but low enough to wish you were dead. But this also leaves me wanting to make another critical point here. When you treat somebody for low thyroid, it increases metabolism and therefore will increase the need for adrenal hormone. And therefore, when you see a patient who who you feel clinically needs thyroid hormone, But gets irritable when hungry, low blood pressure, crashes with stress, these kind of symptoms, you will induce or unmask a subclinical adrenal insufficiency in some cases. So if they get worse with low dose thyroid hormone, consider that they may also have coexistent adrenal insufficiency, at least subclinically, which is becoming very common to see the two together, and give a trial of the low dose Cortef. If you're not comfortable giving Cortef yet, it took me three years researching the scientific literature before I realized that my concerns about the use of cortisol, which are, is a horrible medication to use long-term and high dose, do not apply when using Cortef of 20 milligrams a day or less, or order to be prednisone a day or less or four. And this is study after study and thousands of years of patient experience with Professor William Jeffrey, thousands of patients' years, and has shown this to be very, very safe. My study also showed no adrenal suppression. And most people don't even need the 20 milligrams. It's five to seven and a half. If you're not comfortable treating, because it's going to take you a while researching the literature yourself, but my book from Fatigue Fantastic has a number of references and a lot of information that'll get you up to date with this. The fibromyalgia and fatigue centers nationally have experts that know how to treat fatigue and pain issues. So we are happy to see your patients and we see people from all over the world. And then we can work with you with these patients if you'd like and manage their issues associated with the subclinical adrenal insufficiency.
0: What are the implications of missing the diagnosis? The
1: implications are that you will have a patient that will be mildly or severely disabled in their life. They may have chronic pain, as is shown by Dr. Trevell's work. They will often have severe fatigue. They will often go through life exhausted. They will be prone to repeated infections, respiratory infections especially, and they're just going to feel miserable. I know that if I had a 10% drop in function, I would be very unhappy. But these patients often have a 20 to 50% drop in function, and it's simply not appropriate to have the patient live their life being disabled because we are avoiding an inexpensive and, when used properly, very safe and simple therapy.
0: Are there any lifestyle changes that you recommend to these patients?
1: Absolutely. Increasing salt and water intake. Because, again, these people usually have a low blood pressure. So increasing salt and water intake, especially during the summertime, can be a major benefit for these patients. Also, we're living in a society where it seems like if you're a victim or you have the crisis of the day, you get all the attention. And the people recognize that, one, that they really have control over their life and to stop viewing themselves as as a victim and to take responsibility for their own life and also to turn off the news. It is not educating. It is not giving a realistic view. And if you turn on three different news networks, you're going to get a totally different view based on their perspective. And frankly, it's sensationalistic. I know we just had a hurricane watch here recently in Hawaii, and they're saying, horrible hurricanes, earthquake hitting today. And we're all looking out the window here going, what? <laughs> We didn't see any of it, but the news would make you think that we were about to drown. So anyway, most of what we see on the news is just sensationalism. Teach people to turn it off.
0: Dr. Teitelbaum, thank you for joining us today to discuss subclinical adrenal insufficiency.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. I'm always glad to be on with you, Susan.
0: I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.